On this episode, we discuss the remake of Total Recall, a film that everyone grudgingly acknowledged was a thing that existed. Flop house. Hey I'm Dan McCoy. <laughs> every, You're not even letting him finish. His sentence. You every said you time. wanted to finish early. <laughs> That's true. Let's speed up. Okay, okay. mailbag. So Let's wait, read okay. some letters. Recommendations. Let's go. So you were Dan McCoy. Yeah. I'm Stuart Wellington, of course. Who does that leave me? I believe it leaves me as Elliot Kalen. And this is the flop house. Yeah, first flop house of 2013. Off to a cracking start. The Mayans were wrong, God. They wrong, God. I meant guys. (laughs) The Mayans were wrong, guys. They prophesied the end of the flop house in the end in December 2012. No, but that was just their flop house calendar coming to a natural end. Yeah. Turns out the flop house continues in 2013. Take that, Mayans, you (laughs) jerks. 2012 was slashed to death by. Jason Voorhees. <laughs> turns out that <laughs> turns out maybe the Mayans just thought, hey, you know what? Our calendar covers a couple millennia. We can stop here. <laughs> we'll make the next calendar sometime in the next six hundred yeah. years. I'm sure no one will assume that this means that the world is coming to an end. And we will also not be completely wiped out by conquistadors in this time. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> alien not. conquistadors? No, just regular conquistadors. I mean they were kind of like aliens to them though, right? With their advanced technology and animals, yeah. Okay. So, so speaking of advanced like technology, what Arthur C. Clarke said about magic. It is exactly what Arthur C. Clarke said about magic. <laughs> anyway, so what did we watch? Talking about magic, technology, excitement. We watched. We watched Total Recall. <laughs> we watched a little movie called Recall Total, <laughs> as you would say uh, if you were a conquistador. 2012. Mm-hmm. The right. new version of Total Recall, not the beloved old Paul Verhoeven version where Arnold Schwarzenegger shoots a million people, <laughs> <laughs> but the new version with Colin Farrell where a million people get million people get killed, but many of them are killed by robots. Do we were... have to preface this review with the fa- uh, with the statement that we all love Total Recall, the original? Uh, do, we, do we love it? I, I mean, I, I do. It's a movie I have a mixed relationship with. I don't – I enjoy it. But I don't love it the same way I love certain other things like RoboCop. Yeah, and I it's but I like it more than say like Big Trouble in Little China, which other people love, but I don't care for. I love Big Trouble in Little China more than Total Recall, but uh, I love Total Recall more than most stupid action films. It has, still has about, a bit of that Paul Verhoeven flavor, but it's about, not like Starship Troopers or or well. The Robocop, thing about Total Recall is it is a bad movie. The original. Okay, it's really fun. There's a lot of memorable stuff Spoiler in it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> you will have fun. But there are a lot of people now who are like, no, it's a really good, like, funny movie. And I think at this point I can tell the difference between a movie that's goofy on purpose and a movie where there's some jokes in it, but, like, it's not a, it's not a satire in the same way that Paul Verhoeven's other science fiction movies are. Yeah. It's, it a, is a, it's not it, a satire to that degree, but, I mean, it is still a Paul Verhoeven movie. It is. I, but the it goofiness is, is intentional. But it, I don't no always know that. It, it is, is a super goofball crap fest at times, but it's still enjoyable. Well, I mean, what's goofy about uh, Schwarzenegger's eyes bugging out like Roger Rabbit at the end? <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, then he's totally fine after the air comes. The part when... What happens? <laughs> Science, man. There's a lot of... There's a lot I, of things I think that I, was in the novel, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that I think are supposed to be cool or scary, but they're goofy. Like Quado, for instance. That was yeah. both cool and scary. 
Okay. But anyway, but that's the old Total <laughs> Recall, which point. I think we can all admit we enjoy. Yeah. It, it has a place in our hearts. Okay. Stuart sure. loves it. I fucking love that I shit. I like it, and Dan hates it. No, wait, hold on. <laughs> I like it. I watch Total Recall multiple People. times every year, I think. I think yeah. I've seen that movie multiple every times. Every Christmas. Every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you a, gather it's, the fucking Wellington family around it's a Hanukkah the Yule thing. log. He watches it every night of Hanukkah. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Like it says in the Talmud. And you, and you notice something different each time. You don't. That's the thing about Total Recall. There's no layers to it. There's tons of layers. So New Total Recall. You watch New Total Recall, though. Yeah, Total Recall 2, Electric, Total Recall Aloo. Okay. Wait, but it wasn't a sequel, right? <laughs> it was not a sequel, but here's the thing about it. It was a remake. It's just an out-and-out remake. What's but, the story? Should we talk about like the differences or talk about the story first? I think let's talk about the story first, but the thing I'll mention is there are a lot of moments in the movie that really only work as references to the original movie, and they're a little too glaring for me, and we'll get into that later, but it's what I would like to call the Prometheus effect. Bum, bum, bum. TM. TM. Copyright. Rights reserved. All rights intended throughout the universe. So any, Ridley Scott, any, start paying it any forward, Any form right? of technology created okay. now or in the future. Yeah, Ridley yeah. Scott, start paying it forward. Yeah, Ridley Scott, start contributing to charities. <laughs> that's what I mean. Uh, I think you should explain the Prometheus effect. You just left that out there. Well, we could get to it. You just made a bunch of sound effects and we laughed <laughs> about it. And then you dropped it. <laughs> Good point. I mean, that's cool. Well, to, that's me, to me, the Prometheus effect is a movie that Oops. is a remake of a, pre- a previous movie where scenes in it work more because they reference scenes in the earlier version of the movie than because they work on their own. Like in Prometheus, this is something that I've met, talked about on the face, Flavos Facebook page for all those people who aren't members of our Facebook group, where it's there were scenes in the movie that I enjoyed, and I was never sure, do I enjoy this because it's genuinely a good scene or because it reminds me so much of this scene in Alien when it was done better? And Total Recall is not good enough for me to worry about that conflict, but there are moments in it like, that should be like in-joke references to the previous version if you want to do that. But there are scenes that play off of stuff in the first movie more than they actually seem to have a reason to exist in this yeah, movie. Yeah, and let's make it clear, too, that you're right, Elliot. This is definitely like a an out-and-out remake because it, it, is, it is not like, say, Tim Burton's uh, Charlie, the, and, the, Charlie oh. and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. which went back to the original book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and included things that A lot say, more Johnny Depp, basically. Well, no, but it, it did include things that actually exist in the book that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory Had did taken not out. have. Whereas this movie, like the original short story, we, we can remember it for you wholesale, is very different By from... By Philip K. Penis. <laughs> yes. is <laughs> very different from the original Total Recall. And uh, this movie is much more like the uh, the movie the movie than the than the, than story. the short story, or it's similar to how um, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes was a ba- basically an out and out remake of Planet of the Apes, whereas Rise of the Planet of the Apes was kind of a new way to tell that story that had references to the older movies, right? But you didn't need to know those references to even give a shit about those moments in the movie. Like that was a more successful version of this, I think. Yeah. What we're saying is there is a three-breasted prostitute. Oh, there's a three-breasted prostitute. There's a there's a woman in a yellow coat who says she's going to be there for two weeks. Like they basically, we kept waiting for the Johnny Cab moment when Johnny Cab would show up, <laughs> or they get your ass to Mars, all that stuff. Yeah, Quato, he wasn't in there. But uh, so screw here, you, Benny. Who knows? <laughs> Let's see you at the party. <laughs> yeah, there's see none the of party. that. Or considering none this of that divorce, stuff. there's none of that. But Stuart kept waiting for consider this a divorce. I said it like a million times. 
So here's the plot. And of, it would be more, it would be much more appropriate in this film where uh, the Sharon Stone character from the earlier film, uh, you, as you pointed out, was combined with a Michael Ironside character, which is not a bad idea. Beautiful, yeah. like <laughs> those two <laughs> beings. If only they had children. The babe that would come from that union, or the hunk. Come on. <laughs> Imagine, imagine the 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 offspring, yeah, of Sharon Stone and Michael Ironside. <laughs> if you did, I just, ima- I just imagine that 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 creature has delicious smelling breath. Creature, <laughs> it would still be. I imagine that it still be a, is wonderful. It would still be a person. <laughs> it's not like they would make a mutant. They're a man and a woman. No, they no, make no. a human baby. No, Sharon Stone is going to go into a transporter that has a little bit of Michael Ironside in it. <laughs> And then when she gets on the other side. Oh, horrible. Oh, yeah. horrifying. Yeah. But does she have just the head and arm of Michael Ironside? Or is it in her DNA and she's totally no, turning she's, she's turning into an Ironside yeah, stone? It's or more of a cancer metal. More of a Brundlefly thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ironstone, sure. <laughs> Ironstone. Michelle Ironstone. We got it. Michelle. <laughs> That's good to make it female. Why does she not get to keep her own first name? Michonne Ironstone. We got it. Michonne. That's a pretty good name. So that's the, to- the plot that's of Total Recall. <laughs> so the new Total Recall, here's the basic story. Okay. We are in a world where most of the Earth has been poisoned by a war of some kind. Sounds right. You'd think it would be radiation, but no, it's like poison gas or something like that. Uh, and there's really only two countries left on Earth. The United British Federation in mm-hmm. the UK, and <laughs> because Great Britain is such a world power right now, they, they can't even make they can't even make the case that it was. But the other thing is, they can't gotcha. even make the case that it was far away enough from other countries that it that it yeah. existed. And maybe just you know they did rule the Earth one, at one point. Damn. No, I understand, but right now, I mean, like. Yeah, it would make more sense if you were doing your your thing, where it's just like, okay, uh, they were isolated enough. Like Greenland was suddenly a world power yeah, that's because true. it was spared. Or because something. the other the other country is Australia, or as it's yeah. now known, the colony. Mm-hmm. But it's so they never are really clear on is the colony a colony of the United British Federation? Are they two separate countries, or is it is one like a state? A client state of the other one is one like who's the government? They never make it clear, and by and this means that. All well, the, they do at the end, but the, but then that seems to contradict the bad guy's evil plot. But well, we'll that's get the, to that. the the colony. But so the colony is where all the workers live. Uh-huh. It's the poor place, and United yeah. British Federation is where all the rich stuff is. And how do they get the workers from Australia all the way to England to commute that to their daily crazy. jobs? How would they do that? There's only like one. There's, no, there's only one way to do it. You can't do it any other way but to have a tunnel through the earth <laughs> with one elevator <laughs> that holds like. I guess 60 everybody. people. <laughs> it was like 60 people at a time. Yeah. And it goes from Australia to the to Britain in like 5 minutes, 6 minutes. Yeah, I don't I mean, yeah, it's like the demon drop at Cedar Point. Uh, the <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it's like the like Tower of Terror, yeah. It certainly doesn't seem longer than any like subway ride. Apparently. It seems much shorter than <laughs> yes. most subway rides. And now keeping in mind that you do get extra speed by going through the earth, I guess, because like you gravity, hit all I you guess. hit all the power-ups, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it it's one of these things that's kind of a neat science fiction idea until you start thinking about it and you're like, "Wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense." <laughs> seems Completely unnecessary. <laughs> well, Why don't they just get a job and wherever the fuck they're at? Yeah, Why don't, to... yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it's faster to go through the center of the earth until you start thinking about having to build that tunnel through the center of it the earth. It makes a lot yeah. more sense than having a colony on Mars, for instance. It does not make more sense than that. But if they have, like, 
center of the earth technology, it seems like they could build a fucking rocket jet that'll take you. Well, it's just, I mean, they have the technology the to go through planets, not to go between planets. Or maybe oh, okay. even the technology to, I don't know, suck up all the fucking poison gas around the rest <laughs> of the world. You would think that the trillions, if not quadrillions of dollars that were spent first boring a tunnel through the earth. Getting Bruce Willis and co. to drill a hole through the fucking planet. Exactly. <laughs> then building the elevator mechanism and then the maintenance of it because you've got... Oh, man, what? if that thing shuts down, <laughs> you've got, like in the middle of the earth, it would be people, people got to climb down there. Yeah, that's the only way you got to walk out. You got to have like really like shielded uh, like ice suits or something. That's hundreds of miles, too. <laughs> okay, it's, let's let's take this idea and run with it. Shielded ice suits, Dan. What's that look like? They like with they, giant ice crystals on it? or <laughs> like, like ice pirates would wear? <laughs> yeah. No, it's like those, you know, like those glasses that have like water in the middle of them, so you freeze. What are you talking about? What? They've got like two layers. There's like a layer of liquid inside. Okay. So you freeze that. Either Dan is on the cutting edge of drinking technology. <laughs> yeah, what are Or you? he is a madman. Check out Sharper Image over here. <laughs> Check out SkyMall. Check out a McCoy or Schlemmer over here. <laughs> but the, okay, so. I'm not going to cut you guys in on my ice suit profits. <laughs> so, yes, they could have put those resources towards depoisoning the rest of the world. Instead, they built the elevator that goes through the core mm-hmm. of the earth. Here's the thing. We already live in a world where some countries are poorer than other countries, okay. and workers come from the poor countries to the rich com- countries and, like, send money back. They don't commute every day. Yeah. And the idea behind the but movie is that— But what if they could, Elliot? That I guess they would. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Save them money but in rent, I guess. But the whole idea is that there's so much—there's so little livable space on the earth that these are the only two places people can live, and they're running out of livable space. Mm-hmm. So you can either live in like weird Blade Runner land or weird uh, like Minority Report. Uh, yeah, yeah. I Britain is basically land. Minority Report, iRobot, and Australia is Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Colin Farrell, our hero, whose name mm-hmm. is Dougie, he—that's <laughs> important. That's he. He is a worker in a in a police robot factory. Sure. Yeah, that's the other thing. They have They're both making robo. <laughs> Cops, if you will. <laughs> they have both. They're robot cops. <laughs> they have both human police and robot police because they couldn't decide which is which. They're both which to go with. They're both equally crappy in the world of this movie. Their like, armor does not protect them except when it needs to. Yeah, and, except for when the movie needs it to. And the robot police are just like people, but robots to the point that at, I'm just going to give it away. At the end of the movie, Colin Farrell has a fist fight with a robot, and the robot is doing like. Karate moves on him. He yes, could he just is. grab his head and crush it. Which he means is robot. robot he has karate programming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he Colin Farrell totally, grip. And Col- totally fucking and General Col- Grievous. Colin Farrell with his, his fucking heart out with his bare hands rips off the robot's chest plate, which seems like a screw malfunction. <laughs> At that point, the problem is a tiny screw. He probably built it wrong. <laughs> yeah, on purpose. <laughs> yeah. He knew it. And I could use a flashback. And then, and then rips out the robot's heart. Okay, so Colin Farrell has a dream where he's being kidnapped by some kind of police forces, mm-hmm. and Jessica Biel is with him, and they get shot through the hand. Okay. They're, they're holding hands, and a bullet goes through both hands at once. He wakes up. Nope. Now they're he's, blood brothers. He's married to Kate Beckinsale, who looks almost identical to Jessica Biel in this movie. That's so, terrible. Really and, good he, casting. and he works at a robot cop factory. <laughs> What, like a, what a, a horrible dystopian life. future. <laughs> he's he works at a robot cop factory and he's made, married to Kate Beckinsale. I mean, sounds on, pretty sweet. On, on the <laughs> sounds kind of like the life of director Len Wiseman right now. <laughs> and he has a big studio apartment. Let's not forget that. Yeah. 
his life is the, his friend uh, is always telling him how terrible his life Bokeem is. Bokeem Woodbine. Bokeem Woodbine is telling him, "Oh, your life, you know, our lives really stink. Whatever." But he's got a beautiful wife in this big apartment by New York standards, I guess, and he makes robots for a living. Like, what's the anyway? Yeah. There's a company called Recall that can input a like an adventure module into your head mm-hmm. so you have memories as if you've lived through some kind of crazy adventure yeah they can strange days you <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> they go in for a strange dazing that's what it's like it's like strange days <laughs> this movie actually is a lot like strange days uh they i i i wonder if they actually accidentally made a strange days remake <laughs> and not a total recall remake but uh colin farrell's thinking about going in for one and he finally does, and it's run by what's his name from John, uh, John Cho, John yeah. Cho uh, who does not offer him a White Castle hamburger, which no. is disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, "Now here's the thing: nothing in your fantasy can be the same as in your real life because that would cause problems in your brain or something." Uh, but you yeah, want- it caused too much confusion. That c- makes a little sense. Caused too much confusion. So, but you wanted a secret a secret agent mission. Let's just double check and make sure you're not cheating on your wife. Boop, what boop. also makes no, sense you're not, is when the, so we can run that when the tech is uh, sticking a needle on his arm, and she says, hey, in the future, this is still the easiest way to get fluids in she your body or whatever the in the fuck. future, but there is a point where... Say it's, it's still the easiest way to get chemicals in your body, which does not make sense, <laughs> except for if you're watching a movie about the future. <laughs> like, no, I'm like, hey, now in the present, it's still the easiest yeah, way. It's she almost basically like, looked at the camera and winked. <laughs> it's like if, it's like if, you're, if it's... Yeah, a movie where someone gets into a car that's just a regular car and then starts driving around going, well, we have flying cars too, but we also have ground cars. <laughs> to a person living in that world, it would not seem weird to have a ground car. Like, it's a, it's a, that's a dumb moment, but I kind of like it because it's like, it, it's, they're one step away from that point from saying like, that'll be a thousand future bucks. <laughs> oh, I gotta that's get so to, much money. Gotta, what are they buying? <laughs> A fucking alien skin vest? <laughs> I gotta go to my astro job. I guess I'll take the space train. That's crazy. Well, yeah, you know I live the train in, goes through the center of the earth. I live in New Angeles. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, unfortunately, they're checking his psychological memory profile or some shit, and it turns out he is a secret agent. So they end at that, it's at that point that a ton of policemen run in and start shooting all the everybody. They're hanging out outside until that happens. I guess so. <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess the recall chair machine has a bu- has a has a <laughs> secret agent alert. It is that, the first of many moments where something happens and it cues bad guys jumping in instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where instantly an army of bad guys jumps in as if they were waiting for a thing they could not have possibly have known was going to happen. Well, you can imagine two guys standing outside and the other guy being like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait, wait! We gotta we gotta wait for the signal." <laughs> or two cops burst in and saying like. We just got an alert signal. What's going on in here? Or something like that. You know? But no, they go in guns blazing. Like 10 guys. They kill all the Asian people, which is kind of weird, uh, but not Colin Farrell, who then suddenly, unknown to himself, whips out a bunch of secret agent skills and kills everybody, all the cops in the mm-hmm. room. It turns out he's some kind of secret badass. Maybe he is a secret agent. I mean, I knew that. Like, he's super ripped, he's right? He's super yeah. ripped. For a factory worker, he's a... Yeah. yeah, we were talking about this, like, just on a casting level... Aside from maybe not casting two women who look almost exactly alike, also you should have cast Tom Noonan. In yeah, the well, lead role. well, here's the thing: <laughs> cast a schlub in the lead role. You're, you you believe like, oh, I have an unsatisfying life, and it's more exciting when he's suddenly a secret agent. And also, when Kate Beck, he goes back home and he escapes the police, and he gets a phone call on his hand phone, which it turns out he has one of that all secret agents have. Okay, that's weird. And it's another agent named Hammond who's telling him, "Oh man." 
you're back. Well, you need to find the key. That's all you told me before you disappeared. Gotta go. And Colin Farrell takes a piece of glass and cuts his hand open and pulls the phone out. Colin Farrell yeah. goes back home. That by itself wouldn't bother me. Like, the idea of, like, a futuristic thing where you have a fucking phone in your hand. No, Whatever, that's, that's cool. There's nothing wrong there. There's, there's a lot of, like, future tech in this movie that would be cool if it was in a better movie. But it's like because nothing is going on except the future tech or a guy running around and jumping. Colin Farrell does a ton of jumping. Most of the movie is him jumping off of things, landing on other he things. He's great at jumping off rooms, <laughs> Jumping man. out of things. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I guess in high school he was like on the jumping team because he <laughs> jumps everywhere. And there's a chi- – he goes home. Yeah. There's and- a lot of times when he jumps out a window not knowing what will be there. And lo and behold, there's something there to catch him. Like a flying car or mm-hmm. a building or a boat or something. Yeah. So Kate Beckinsale, he goes home to and he says – I killed all these people. And she's like, what? And then so, and then starts fighting him. It turns out that she's a secret agent who was set up to pretend to be his wife. Mm-hmm. His mind has been erased and replaced with fake memories. And she says, do you really – how else do you think a guy like you could marry a, a woman like me? And it's like – Just he, by being handsome and cool. He's super handsome and ripped. Like yeah. that's why you need a schlubby guy. We were saying – I mean in my dream world, it would be Tom Noonan. Yeah. <laughs> Seems weird. He seems a little old for the part. <laughs> like a young Tom Noonan. You know, like Manhunter era Tom Older Noonan. Older Tom Noonan. <laughs> Older Tom <laughs> So he has old age ten, makeup on. Ten years in the future. Or like how much better would it be if like Wallace Shawn was the star of this movie? Amazing. Then I believe it's weird that Kate Beckinsale is married to him. But uh, they have a running and jumping. I thought you liked me because of my plays. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just a fan of Aunt Dan and Lemon. Aww. <laughs> Wallace Shawn. Poor Wallace Shawn. What do you mean, poor Wallace Shawn? He's a successful <laughs> the, working actor and playwright. In this fantasy world that we've created. He's married to Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> All right, true. And he's a secret agent. Plus, he gets to play Ziggy someday. All right, Wallace Shawn has it sweet. He's pretty or sweet. Or was it that he played Ziggy in the past? <gasps> Who knows? Okay, continue know. with the Wallace Shawn has a pretty nice life, and I know because I was in a restaurant. And he was eating there. It was a good restaurant. I've seen okay. two plays where he was in the audience, and, he, and he one of them even, was a very good play. The other one was not even, so He great. wasn't eating even Seems eating like... the market menu. He was eating <laughs> off of the market menu. <laughs> he was eating off the market menu, and it wasn't like he was digging through the garbage or anything. <laughs> You know, Stuart, it seems... He was a customer. What, is he a fucking ninja turtle? Stuart, it seems to me that... Throwing that shit on a pizza and eating it? What's happening here, actually, is that Elliot is just bragging that he has as good a life as Wallace Shawn. Yeah, oh, to say I'm on Gossip Girl, yeah, all that stuff. I I voice a dinosaur for Pixar, yeah, everything. So anyway... Let's make a long story short because we're getting very long. We and we've gotten very not into the movie. Kate Beckinsale chases Colin Farrell around. Mm-hmm. Okay. It turns he goes through a bunch of running and escaping and jumping onto, stuff. jumping onto stuff. There's a car chase with magnetic cars on a highway, and he meets up with Jessica Beale, who is another. It turns out that dream he had it was real. She's another secret agent. He they go. She's to, part of the resistance. She's part of this resistance led by a mysterious man named Matthias, mm-hmm. and the resistance is against the government, which is run by Brian Cranston. Now, the government, I guess, is evil because it has robots and stuff. Like they never, I don't. Uh, they never I guess really, they're subjugating like the the poor the workers. People. Like it's never quite clear what the resistance is against. Yeah, because the bad guy has an evil plan, but they don't quite know what it is yet. But it turns well, the bad out bad guy was uh, faking terrorist attacks against his own. Government. Oh, I missed that the terrorist attacks were fake. Yeah, the, like the resistance were not blowing things up. So, what was the resistance doing then? What were I they don't resisting? Know. They, just so... hanging out. Like they're mostly like hippies. They're just <laughs> like, man, we gotta we gotta put the means of production in the workers' hands. <laughs> Let's just hang yeah. out, dude. So the Colin, so Colin Farrell takes her back to after this big car chase. Takes Jessica Beale, 
this. You'd think it's Kate Beckinsale because they look alike. No, it's it's okay. and and Kate Beckinsale at this point wants to catch Colin Farrell really bad. She's running after. <laughs> Want to catch that Colin? <laughs> <laughs> she wants to bag that Farrell, catch that Colin, and uh, Brian Cranston keeps saying, "Catch him, but don't kill him. Keep him alive." But she wants to kill him. She is the uh, yeah, she's the Michael Ironside basically. She's chasing after him. She's the um, you know the the bad the bad guy who's chased him. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So I'm trying to think of another example it's of that in a movie. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Tommy Lee Jones in uh, that movie uh, Valley of Elah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so <laughs> the, <laughs> when he was chasing a fugitive, <laughs> like in that movie, the Executioner's Song, <laughs> like in that Tommy Lee Jones movie, Hope Springs, yep. when he's chasing that fugitive and there's magnetic cars. <laughs> anyway, they go back to Colin Farrell's old apartment. Where he finds the key is a piano key, which Fairly unlocks Spartan, but well appointed. Yes, which unlocks a for a secret agent, yeah. a government salary. He's well, doing he is, all right. this is the kind of secret agent who lives in luxury, like Jimmy Bond or uh, uh, you know uh, the man from Uncle. Jason Bourne. Jason, yeah, Jimmy Bourne. The uh, not your uh, Michael Caine style secret agent. No, so this is not your Tinker really... Taylor Soldier, Harry Callahan type. Yeah, thing. he plays a radical song on his piano. Yeah. And that makes a hologram of himself, but with a goatee appear. Because this is the old Colin Farrell. It turns out he was an agent for the government set to infiltrate the rebellion, but he became sympathetic with the rebellion. The scales fell from his eyes. Resistance. Resistance. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mainly, mainly because <laughs> they're synonyms. One, well, like, one's, mainly, on, one's on. I guess uh, one's, <laughs> one's passive and one's aggressive, I guess he could but say. But also uh, mainly because he fell in love with Jessica Biel's sweet body. And who wouldn't? Come on. Sure. As far as bodies go. There's few sweeter. <laughs> That's true. In the movies, at least. Yeah. That's part of your wedding vows, right? <laughs> <laughs> See, I said, well, I said to my wife, I said, for richer, for poorer, as far as bodies go, they're few sweeter, sickness and health. Then Jessica Beals. <laughs> then <laughs> I said, on a scale from zero to Beal, you're a Beal. <laughs> so anyway. You've got real a Beal. is what you said. Get out. Go, go on. <laughs> get out. So <laughs> it turns out. Brian Cranston wants to invade the colony and kill all the people there and steal its land because land is so valuable. And he wants to replace all the workers with robots, or as they call them here, robots. Uh, they call them like fabricants or something. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the uh, but there's a secret code that Colin Farrell should have somewhere buried in his head that shuts off every robot in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he needs Seems to get smart. he needs to get that to the rebellion to to or sorry, to the resistance to Matthias. So he and Jessica Biel, they chase around a lot, they run around again, and they go into the poison zone and find the resistance led by Bill Nye. Hey, Yay! it's Bill Nye, everybody. Favorite, Bill Nye. And they, He's the leader of the resistance. They strap Colin Farrell I'm into I'm looking a, forward to him being in this movie for a long, long time. <laughs> He's forever. certainly an actor of that caliber. They're not just going to have him show up for one scene. <laughs> no. He's going to stay in it. So they strap Colin Farrell into a recall chair, and they say, we're going to erase these fake memories and bring back your original memories. But it turns out to be a trap. It's a trap. Oh, no. Brian Cranston deliberately wanted Colin Farrell to get caught by the Resistance so that they could lead him back to find him where the Resistance was. Which makes no sense because... Because they've spent... They spent a lot of time trying to kill Colin Farrell. And killing a lot of people uh, accidentally while trying to kill him. Like, even if you believe that Kate Beckinsale is a loose cannon because she was the one who was like... Forget what he said about capturing this guy. We got to kill him. Like capturing him wouldn't help either. No, because they want him to escape and get and lead them to the resistance. There's a whole scene that we skipped past where 
Colin Farrell's friend is sent in by the police to convince him that Jessica... Bokeem Woodbine of the movie Blackmail. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Where to send in to convince him that this is all a delusion Colin Farrell's having and that he has to shoot Jessica Biel so that he can wake up yeah, from like this delusion. Yeah, just movie. like in the original movie. Exactly. But he, instead Colin Farrell shoots his friend and they escape. But that whole scene and that ploy and that gambit makes no sense if you want Colin Farrell to escape and take you to the resistance. Like basically, you're totally right. Basically, none of the movie makes sense once you get to this point in the movie. Yeah, and so Brian Cranston is there. He kills Bill Nye. The rest of the movie makes sense. Yeah, it right? makes perfect sense. Brian, Cran- there's a brief moment between Brian Cranston and Bill Nye, two great actors. Let's see what sparks are going to fly. Top of their craft. None. He yeah. shoots him, and that's it. Bill Nye, he is dead in the movie, and <laughs> he says, maybe, but not in real life. Maybe thirty words in the entire film. <laughs> I perked up immediately upon it's him a real, appearing and then was sad. Let's similar to John Cho. Like, John Cho was in it for a few more lines than Bill Nye, and then he gets shot by faceless goons. I think we all know what this was, guys. This is what Al Madrigal would call a cash grab. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is just an out-and-out cash grab on the parts of these guys. You get in, you get out, you, t- you get your check. So, and I'm sure just like... Just Wait like, a minute. <laughs> Wait, they weren't fully invested in the idea of... Total Recall, the remake? I think Bill Nighy was not. <laughs> I think well, Bill maybe... Nighy was in those uh, Underworld movies directed by Lynn Wiseman. I like... think those are also cash grabs. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that I might be if, why like... he agreed to do this, actually. Yeah, there was like a, sure. d- well, like there was like a, a deal where he's like, okay, he... I'll be in two of your movies. Like, okay, all right, Nighy, two of my movies plus a cameo. <laughs> I think what actually happened was Lynn Wiseman said, hey, do you want to be in another one of my movies? And he said, sure, I like you, plus you'll pay me, right? <laughs> yes, we will. Okay, well, I'm a working actor, so I'll take this paycheck. It only it was going to, what, take a day of shooting? Yeah, sure, I'll go. If I understand it, the pay I will receive for this will be exchanged for goods or services. <laughs> yeah, that's your choice. Me, Bill Knight. Whatever you want to do, or Bill Knight. <laughs> or, alternately, I could save it for a future date, thus accruing interest, or invest it to make more money to exchange for other goods and services that are more expensive than the money I originally got for this job. <laughs> yes, Bill Knight. Bill Knight. <laughs> you, you have put your finger... <laughs> the way that money works. You have proven yourself a master of economics. And potentially an elder vampire, according to those movies. <laughs> so, at this point, the bad guys seem to have won. It turns out the whole pl- the whole idea of a code that turns off the robots, not true. Yeah. But the invasion of the colony and the liquidation of its residents, totally yeah, true. They're going to send a shitload of robots through the center of the earth. Through the, in the, in the, in the core elevator. elevator. <laughs> in their, their dumb elevator, they're going to send them to the colony and just kill everybody. So that sounds great, though. An elevator full of killer robots to go to Australia to murder but, everybody. But it's, also, it's, let, let's actually, go back. Looks, in the hands of George Miller, that would be an amazing movie. <laughs> Let's dial Maybe it. you'd have a talking pig in it. <laughs> Let's dial it back, Elliot, and go back to your previous concern about the way the politics of this movie work. Yes. Now, apparently, the, this this place called the colony, the colony, it has is a colony of this richer, uh, much the same way that say Haiti was once a colony of France, or our own United States of America, as hard as it is to believe, was once a series of colonies of Great Britain itself. Until they yeah. sent a bunch of killer robots after us. That's exactly <laughs> that's what happened because like, they wanted our land. For some reason, actually, that's what we did with the Indians. Really, but. for some reason, the president needs to send a bunch of killer robots to this colony to to clear out space. This is for more and they people. refer but to it minute. as an invasion. He yeah. doesn't need to send those killer robots. He needs to accompany an army of killer robots because <laughs> he does go in person yeah. to lead. He does say literally, "I've got an invasion to lead," which leads me to think. He needs to learn how to delegate. Because <laughs> this is one of those movies where this corrupt, evil yeah. government has three people in it. He's taking command. Brian Cranston, Kate Beckinsale, 
and Colin Farrell, who's undercover, <laughs> and has his brain. And two of those people were pretending to be husband and wife, just living in an apartment. So Brian Cranston has been running the whole world all by himself. Under this strain, it's no wonder he came, he cracked and came up with this terrible invasion plan. I wouldn't be surprised if he dug that earth elevator hole himself. Yeah, I mean, as the president, can't he just be like, uh, we need you guys to move out of this area to make room for more like rich people? Like, now, maybe, why does he have to have robots do this? Why, awesomer. It's, it's, <laughs> what? it's way more awesome to send an army of robots yeah, to do your dirty work right. than to defeat them through uh, like economics and... Mm-hmm. And things like that, and things like exactly, and like Through making them domain, and making them <laughs> yeah, drink. Well, that's a, all you got to do is pass a law that makes it so they have to leave, <laughs> yeah. and and get them to drink a bunch of you know fatty sodas and stuff. <laughs> get you them know, to do it. Yeah, it's hard to persuade people. Sell to drink a bunch soda. of fatty sodas. <laughs> wow, so you're talking about economic imperialism now? Yeah, I like it. Okay. I didn't realize Stuart had such a red heart. Yeah. Anyway, in, in truth, though, I much prefer robot imperialism. <laughs> <laughs> so. He's got it. They've got it. Now, Jessica Biel's been captured. Colin Farrell has also been captured, I guess, and is going to be killed or something. He gets out. They go on the. There's this awesome action scene on the uh, the space elevator thing. Yeah. At, this is also. There was an earlier action sequence with regular elevators. So there's a lot of jumping, a lot of elevators. If you like movies about jumping in elevators <laughs> and you want a little bit of robots, <laughs> this is the movie for you. Uh, they go, they blow up the elevator full of robots. Uh, Kate Beckinsale's chasing after him. They manage to. There's a. <laughs> Colin Farrell has a fist fight with a robot, then a fist fight with Brian Cranston. Against all logic, Brian Cranston is winning until mm-hmm. I guess the explosion blows up everything. Uh, I, I think he stops paying attention or something. <laughs> yeah, the, Colin Farrell stabs him with Brian Cranston's own knife, and uh, the the good guys win. Everything blows up, and the colony, which has just seen its all its entire economic livelihood destroyed is celebrates and it's like the Ewoks yeah yub yub yubbing up <laughs> yubbing it up it's like the moment at the in the Return of the Jedi special edition where the emperor has died seconds ago and instantly people are toppling statues of him well also like apparently they're like super excited that this uh core elevator is gone like that would be the easiest thing to sabotage. Like, just if they, blow it up. Yeah, if they just don't put want, some bombs in it. If they, well, yeah, just like if they don't want people coming from the other side, like they want to cut it off. Just like fill that fucking hole in. Like start dumping some dirt. <laughs> I in don't there. know. That's a lot of. That's a big <laughs> hole, Dan. Yeah, I, I don't guess. know if that's exactly how. But it But if works. you got a little dirt in there, like that elevator can't get through. <laughs> uh, I think you misunderstand <laughs> elevators. <laughs> Just start throwing all your Blade Runner-y <laughs> bullshit down there. All right, throw your, throw your, your neon signs just and your umbrellas and whatnot. Whatever, put like a big fucking just sheet put of metal some, over. Just put some plywood over that. You know, yeah, like when you got a broken case. window. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, it's not hard. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I like, think If that's the one thing that connects your place to the other place... Well, it, sabotage it is, that one thing. It is weird that airplanes seem not to exist in this world. It's like they just threw them out, but... Don't eat them. Maybe there's not enough not land. An you know what? I'm going to say there's not enough ground land for landing strips. That's what it is. Oh, wow. You did it. Even though they have magnetic highways in the yeah. sky and they can create floating things, they don't have land. They don't have floating landing strips. But anyway, so it's, hey, we did it. We saved the world. Colin Farrell passes out or something. He wakes up and Jessica Beale's like, hey, how's it going? Oh, you're, you're back. That's great. They did the weakest <laughs> attempt at trying to make you think like, Oh wait, was this whole thing just part of the whole total recall simulation? It goes black you hear and then John you hear Joe's voice. And you hear some voices 
And then Colin Farrell wakes up in a hospital bed. And they kind of try and make Jessica Biel look like, uh, what's the other one's name? Evangeline Lilly. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, Angie Everhart. That's who you're thinking of. Kay Beckinsale. So they try to make it for like a second, and then it goes back to Jessica Biel. And then... And then, double twist. He notices she doesn't have the scar on her hand from the bullet that passed through their hands. Bump, bump, bump. And it turns out it's Kate Beckinsale with a hologram head on that makes her look like uh, Jessica Biel. And there's a fight scene inside for very hey, briefly inside this meta hat. Somebody get my meta wife hatch. one of those, you know what I mean? Uh, so get it a hologram head so that she'll look like Jessica uh, Biel. Isn't that uh, what dudes, dudes want? No. I know your wife. Know what I mean? Yeah, this Friends is awkward. Okay, I'm just fucking joking woman. around here, guys. <laughs> Cheer up. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, we should have mentioned earlier he used a hologram head to get through some security. It's not like they just suddenly introduced a hologram head out of nowhere. It's true. So yeah, it, they, it they works within good the movie. Right? Yeah, they they, <laughs> they look, lay the tr- cracks. Chekhov for that. said, if you introduce a hologram head in Act Two, you gotta have Kate Beckinsale use it in Act Three to look like Jessica. But they Beale. did introduce a hologram head that was faulty. It didn't work the first time <laughs> because the whole scene, that whole scene, was literally just a play on the scene in the original Total Recall where he's disguised as an old lady and his robot head malfunctions. So he then shoots this woman, and everybody thinks it's okay. And she, he yeah. he beats Jessica. He basically literally kicks Kate Beckinsale out of a out of a room and shoots her in the chest. And everyone's like, "What? Oh no, it's cool." Yeah. Oh yeah. Kate Beckinsale. It's Cole Hauser. We all know. Oh, we should. I forgot we forgot to mention that Colin Farrell's actual name is not Dougie, but Carl Hauser, which is ridiculous because it sounds so much like Cole Hauser. So everyone in the movie, it sounds like they're calling him Cole Hauser, which is the name of a real person. (laughs) Yeah, that's a name of a real person, Elliot. (laughs) It's like if they name if. well, it's like if they named him George DiMaggio, but everyone was talking real fast. And they're like, "Hey, George DiMaggio!" <laughs> so it sounded like they were calling him Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. At least Google search Carl Hauser to make sure Google doesn't say, "Did you mean Cole Hauser?" Because <laughs> that's an easy way to check. Usually, confusion. I mean Cole Hauser. Yeah. <laughs> Almost always, because Cole Hauser is a real person. When I'm working on my paparazzi fanfic. <laughs> uh, so when the movie ends with uh, Colin Farrell and. Jessica Biel are now, I guess, unemployed secret agent resistance fighters in a utopian dystopia. Yeah, time for them to time for them to stop resisting and start accepting. Okay, so movie over. Two thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it is a movie that is hard to get much out of. I mean, there's some. I mean, it's like a it's a pretty standard boilerplate sci-fi action movie, but it keeps reminding you of the earlier Total Recall in a way that doesn't help it at all, doesn't complement it. Which is, uh, I'll say, probably just as dumb, but easily more fun. I would say Total Recall, the original one, is dumber, but in a fun way. Like, when Colin Farrell has his kung fu fight with the robot at the end, that was the only moment where it really seemed to be approaching the kind of enjoyable dumbness of the original Total Recall. Well, there's like, like a real like pop art feel to Total Recall. Like it's just well, like it's everything also, is so like it's really colorful. And colorful and the original to- Total Recall Look is... at the colors. What? <laughs> it's all the great colors. Isn't that <laughs> wasn't that your argument for I know who killed me? Why it was great. Well that's not why it was great. Why it's people would think it was great if it was in another language. Because it uses blue a lot. But that's the thing is the original Total Recall is really colorful and like popcorn fun. And this is is that Len Wiseman style of everything being very grim and grainy. Everything's made out of gray concrete. It's always raining. There's no almost no color in the world. It's been entirely drained of color to the point where it looks like, I don't know, it's really boring. Except, I guess, for the scenes where you're walking through neon lit 
uh, the colony, which just looks like cheapo Blade Runner, you know. But I mean, like that's I feel like that's also now there's this idea in modern movies, uh, modern like stupid action movies that the way to make them good is to make them serious. It's the same you thing. Know? And it's... like that, I felt like that, like I was glad when like Spider-Man came out because like that was so like goofy and like a fun way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, finally, this is going to die off like this, like trend towards making everything gritty. And I think that maybe uh, the fact that people didn't like Spider-Man 3 kind of like swung the pendulum back in the other direction again. I don't know, except the Avengers is really colorful yeah, and, and goofy and in a fun way. I think, I think there is more room for it than there was for a period there. Well, what you're talking about is something that happened in comic books also, yeah. where everyone assumed these stories are too silly, they're too like dumb, like who's going to believe this unless everyone's murdered all the time and you can see the seams on their costumes and their boots have treads on the bottom. But that was of the other... course, we made it. We did it. Now it's believable. It but also, like, Once right. I can see the seams in their costume, it's totally believable. But that also like came from like, oh, okay, uh, Watchmen came out and uh, the the uh, the Dark Knight Returns came out and they're like, oh, okay, what we got to do is... Well, that's the, the same comic, you asshole. Well, that's the same thing <laughs> like, that happened. The same like, thing happened. This is good because it's gritty, rather than being like, no, this is good because it's good, and like you can make a silly thing. And you can good. say, and the same thing happened in movies. The Bourne movies came out, and everyone decided to make everything look like a Bourne movie. Yeah, I kind of, I gotta admit, in this movie, I kind of like the bit where they're uh, running around the elevators. And they're like jumping on top of elevators, and there's a kung fu fight inside an elevator with robots. It was like an action movie sequence of the end of Monsters Inc. Basically, yeah, that was. But okay. I will say, some the action sequences in this were a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Like the movie around them was was kind of bland and boilerplate, but like that sequence was was kind of fun. He kung fu fights a robot. Colin, I mean, Colin Farrell just didn't bring there's that a lot much of jumping. to it. Yeah, like. And he's an actor who was brought, who was definitely brought more to smaller roles, I guess. Or it seems like he's an actor who needs something to hook his teeth into. Like he's not going to come up with an idea of how to play a boring character. But if you give him a character like the lead in In Bruges, or I know you liked Fright Night, I haven't seen it yet, mm-hmm. The Vampire in Fright Night, it's fun. or like even like the guy, his boss and horrible bosses, you know, like the if you give him a character who has a little bit of a hook, he can do a lot with it. But Instead, he's just going to go for a quick cash grab. Exactly, a CG cash grab. But it, like he could have played the character as a real like nebbish. And in Bruges, he's a totally insecure kind of nebbishy type guy for the most part. And he, if he had played this character that way, it would have been instantly been a better movie. Either that, or if he played it to the hilt as like gung ho action guy, like uh, Guy Pierce in Lockout. Space jail. It's space jail. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the other way he could go with it. Instead, he was just hang in the middle and almost tried to play this person as a real person, which didn't work. Yeah. You know, it was too boring. So I think we got a. It was such a believable world that <laughs> he didn't want to <laughs> yeah. take you out of it by playing a wacky. Yeah, character. you're right. This underworld universe. Minority Report Blade Runner mashup. Uh, so I think we got to skip to final <laughs> judgments. Was this a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you liked? Allie, what do you have to say for yourself? I would say. It's a bad, bad movie, but there are things about it I liked. But overall, it's like kind of a nothing. Like I didn't care enough about it to really hate it. But uh, if you're going to watch this movie, why not just go watch Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. Which does everything in this better. (laughs) I would say that this is a bad, bad movie, but it wasn't as bad as I feared it would be. I thought it was going to be really deadly terrible. Yeah. There's some stuff in it. I mean, the first half an hour uh, I found actually much more like sprightly than it became. Like I felt like it all the, all, <laughs> like, like an old Irishman. <laughs> I just, I just, <laughs> like a spring heel Jack. I just feel like so many flop house movies we watch 
have like a serious case of like second act droop, like yeah. where it just gets really boring all of a sudden. And I felt like this was no different in that case. What do you think, Stu? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, it's hard for me to say it's actually a good bad movie because I feel a good bad movie is something that you would want to watch with friends and have some laughs. Yeah, and I don't think this bad. really gave you any laughs. If this is on late night TV and you have nothing else to do other than, I don't know, play video games or masturbate, I guess you could watch this. I would say masturbate, yeah, masturbate and then first. maybe watch this. Okay. But it's like... Not at the same time. I mean, if you... I don't... I mean, it doesn't really, really like Colin Farrell... Well, considering... I, mean, I do. Kate considering like Kate Beckinsale and Jessica Biel are in this, not a lot of masturbation fodder. Yeah. So I'd say I'd probably say bad bad movie then I guess I, this is like a I would call it like a two two and a half star movie but I think I think you hit the nail on the head like I feel that Total Recall is such a perfect example of a good bad movie yeah yeah that it seems unnecessary to watch this one when Total Recall the orig- if Total Recall the original had been erased by some cosmic accident <laughs> which and, would be terrible <laughs> which would be awful and they had to try to reconstruct it based on what the old people who had seen the movie remembered about it, then I could understand watching this movie as like a very poor substitute. But when you can just watch the original Total Recall instantly, literally. I do have to say I did like I did like the director's touch at Verhovenism by having the villain the villainess just gunning down civilians with a machine gun at a point. Yeah. Trying to kill Colin Farrell. But that was so brief that it didn't it really It really didn't last long. And there wasn't a ton of blood, so it didn't really count. But I, I assume this is gonna be like the Robocop remake where it won't be awful. Wait, they're it, remaking Robocop. Oh, I hate I hate I didn't want to break it to you this way. Oh, wait. Where it'll be probably Is he still a robot? He's still <laughs> he's <laughs> is actually he still a cop. It's actually a dance is movie it, now. Is it still in Detroit? <laughs> it's called Step Up Five the Robocop. <laughs> But uh, I where it's plays gonna, Ed two oh nine. Where it's going to be a movie that is not like horribly laughably bad, but is you just the originals right there. Just watch it. It's not going to be as good. You know. Uh, so before we get on to letters, um, I've got no specific plugs on behalf of our friends at All Things Comedy, but I will say, why don't you start out the new year by stopping by allthingscomedy.com? Let's call this the New Year New Podcast mm-hmm. Initiative, where you you try a new podcast. Every week, maybe there. every month from There's ATC. There's some really good stuff over there. Give them a listen. Walking yeah. the Room, Minivan Men. What's it gonna What's it gonna hurt you? Long Shot. Yeah. I think we've mentioned a lot of them Yeah, before, we mentioned Try Them Out. Give a, give a heads up to them. And also, February 1st, we do have something to plug. Oh yeah, we should plug this. Uh... Usually there's a little more space between our uh, live appearances, but Hurricane Sandy pushed back the last one. Yeah. And so that, they're stacking up. Stacking like like Krakens? No, no, <laughs> Do Krakens okay. stack? Uh, like flapjacks. <laughs> stacking like jacks. Do jacks stack? <laughs> I don't know. But so Jack stacking our with next, the flop house. Our next live appearance is February 1st. We'll be showing the film with our I Love Bad Movies compatriots, Matt and Xenia, showing the film... Don't, Don't tell her it's, it's me. me. The Boyfriend School? A.K.A. The Boyfriend School, starring Steve Gutenberg, <laughs> Shelley Long, right? And uh-huh. yep, uh, Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz. Kyle McLaughlin. The film and Kyle McLaughlin. I, I always forget he's in imagine it. Imagine Amick. <laughs> the film that I once saw in a blockbuster video with a sticker on it that said, Guaranteed Entertainment. <laughs> and it was, but not for the reasons that sticker thought. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so, so we're going to be watching that February 1st at our old home, 92Y Tribeca. Uh, tickets are on sale. Tickets right are on now. sale and already selling. So if you want to go, make a make a point to get your tickets early and often because uh, it's going to sell out. Hopefully, like it's going to be weird because we're out. we're probably not going to be able to talk much during the movie because we're going to be enjoying it. We're just going right? to be our mouths are just going to be hanging open, filled with popcorn, <laughs> filled with. 
<laughs> That's how you tell that you're enjoying a film is how like popcorn is. In you your fill mouth? your mouth with popcorn so you don't speak and bother and <laughs> yeah, exactly. interrupt the movie. Yeah. And then you put your penis in the popcorn in the bucket, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we all know that doesn't work. So penises. Unless you want to fuck popcorn, unless that's what you're. Maybe that's in. what it. Maybe that's what that scene in Diner was about. Was the woman interrupting the guy having sex with his popcorn? Yeah, she was his beard. He's actually a popcorn sexual. He's a popophile. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, sexual. The first letter tonight comes to us February first. The Don't biography of Orville Redenbacher, right? <laughs> popasexual. Yeah. Uh, not popsmurf. Uh, Peter, last name withheld, writes a letter titled New York. And he says, Dear the Flophouse. New York sucks. I have been listening. What? <laughs> Philly rules. <laughs> We've been burned again. Peter, Damn last Peter. name withheld. Damn you, Peter. Um, this this comes back from October, and I have to apologize. We have a real backlog. Shocktober. Yeah, shocktober. <laughs> we have a backlog of letters. So Thanks for I try and, I try and mix old and new stuff uh but uh yeah great let's just read it <laughs> well, i just want to apologize sometimes for not getting to these things in a timely fucking fashion. email them back let's get this done we have lives to live we can't answer every letter right <laughs> okay. away so this is uh he goes dear the flop house i've been listening to your podcast for the past three months and i'm currently listening to your back catalog for the second time Whoa. i've listened to the podcast so much in fact that although this may derail my life and ruin me forever i've inadvertently come to think of you as role models of a sort that's a terrible why? idea good god why I barely know why, but I'll try to explain. I don't know why either. From the bits and pieces of your lives that I've picked up listening to your show, it seems you've fulfilled three of my biggest goals in life. B. Stuart Wellington. <laughs> you live in New it was York. hard. Uh, you live in New York. You write comedy for an Emmy-winning television show. Well, two I'm, of us do. I'm assuming that Stuart does this too, and he's too modest to admit it. And you host live yeah, he shows. actually writes Herman's Head spec scripts <laughs> in the hope that that show will come back. <laughs> We keep telling him, Stuart. I don't. No, think it's I've been talking and talking to Netflix about it. <laughs> he's <in> t- <laughs> <laughs> he's got- reuniting the original cast. <laughs> but fucking Michael Sarah's fucking holding out. For he's more not money. in it. <laughs> what? He wasn't the head. He's no. been. He's, Stuart's been emailing Yardley Smith. <laughs> he calls it Herman's head of the family. <laughs> he thinks he's been emailing Yardley Smith. He's been emailing Yardley S at gmail dot com in the hopes that that's her email address. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> And you host live shows about bad movies. Oh, February po- 1st. Oh, and the podcast. That's great, too. As far as I'm concerned... Oh, my iPad went to sleep. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you're living the dream. Yeah, quit or, me to sleep, Dan. Let's let's finish up the letter, huh? <laughs> maybe you didn't interrupt me. Or, or a dream. Maybe we're all living in a dream, and life is an illusion. So I thought I'd ask Total you Total recall. What should I do if I want to move to and survive in New York? If I do stand-up and improv and want to continue, who should I be getting in touch with, Big Brother Elliot? Uh, Will I be able to get a job somewhere, anywhere, with only two years of proofreading experience on my resume, Little Brother Stewart? Can I crash on your couch, weird maternal figure Dan? (laughs) I visited New York enough to know that I want to live there, and maybe all I need is some reassurance that it's not a terrifying hellhole Mm. that will swallow me up and take all my savings away from me, sucking Mm. out my soul and turning me into a dead-eyed in the process. Has this happened to anyone you've known? That guy in Last Action Hero... If this line of questioning is too overwhelming and or boring to the average listener, hey, who would you cast in a remake of Face Off? Would you pick two actors who are less likely to become laughingstocks in the next 10 to 15 years, or would you just bring back Cage and Travolta but have them switch roles? We'll be called Face Off 2, and they're old. But I, w- I would actually cast Jessica Biel and Kate Beckinsale so they could switch faces and nobody would notice. To answer your most important question first, no, you can't sleep on my couch. You don't want to. It's covered in cat hair and chicken grease. Yeah. Popeye's farts. 
<laughs> Years of Popeye's parts. Uh, I would say this is why I'm apologizing though for not getting to this in a timely fashion because he's probably man... waiting by a train station. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has his ticket ready to go. With his fucking stick and bindle. He keeps pushing it back, just waiting for word from the flop house. It's a hard question to answer in a short fashion. Yeah, I would say that if you want to try to make it in comedy, the most important thing is to. Start writing or performing. Listen to a lot of WTF. <laughs> listen, to, listen to a lot of AT, All Things Comedy podcasts. But I would say start writing and performing wherever you are first. New York is – basically there are two places you can – three places you can do comedy in, New, in America. Two of them make television shows, L.A. and New York. One of them makes more, L.A. Chicago is a comedy place that makes no television shows. But it's a good place to learn if you want to – It's a to, good place to learn, but you it's hard to get a job. But eventually you need to move someplace after that. Uh but it's a tough – it's a very tough business. New York is not the hellish pit that many people worry about. There are millions of people who live here at all different levels of intelligence, income, ability, dream, and so forth. I want to say that uh, before I moved here, I was terrified of New York because my uh, conception of New York – Was I that realized... Jason was taking it. <laughs> well, I realized that my conception of New York was largely based on movies that had been made in the 70s. Yeah. And so I didn't realize that New York is actually a quite nice place to live right yeah, now. Yeah, I think I benefited from living in New Jersey and having family in New York. So I spent a lot of time here as a kid. And I never had that like, that like, gee golly, awe, like wonder or fear of it. Yeah. But uh, I kind of wish I had had that experience a it's little bit. It's just a series of small uh, neighborhoods. Series really. of tubes. Yeah. <laughs> but no, my, that's... My advice is to just hang out with some guys who... Do write comedy uh-huh. and watch a lot of movies with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is, and you're making a lot of money off of this podcast, dude. <laughs> I am making a ton of money. And the thing I would say to, well, first you have to get a job somewhere to, but not necessarily a comedy job. Just if you're going to make it in New York, you got to be able to support yourself. Yeah, but I worked for ten years in shithole uh, administration, maybe in a robot building no, factory. Who cares? And I worked for ten years in an Emmy-winning TV show. It was rough, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but the thing is to find a place where people are doing comedy. That could be UCB. That could be the Pit. That could be other places that comedy is being done. And literally, it is hanging out and getting to know people. And, and the best way to network in comedy is to. Write or perform comedy. Get up at stand-up shows. Hang out at stand-up clubs if stand-up is what you want to do. And get to know people. And you'll make friends with people whose sensibilities are similar to yours. And that becomes your network of people that you can work with, that you can rely on, that you can help out when you get the chance. And when the people say comedy community, like that's what it is. It's a real community. And you just have to And they're nicer than you think they are. Yeah. They're unhappy people, but they are nice people, many of them. Some of them are assholes, you know, but most fo- are not. Follow your dream. I mean, the worst that will happen is that you'll realize you don't actually want to do this, and you'll have racked up incredible debt trying to. But, I, well, <laughs> that's true. Oh, so that's not that bad. <laughs> that's, but yeah, the th- but you eventually paid off that debt. Yeah. But here's, I, mean, I got lucky, but yeah. What I said to uh, – this is something I said in the keynote address that I gave at my middle school's career day when mm-hmm. they asked me to go back next year and, and give one, is that – you might as well try because if you try and you fail, the worst that happens is nothing. Absolutely nothing happens and you remain where you were when you started. If you try and you succeed, then you succeed. So you literally have nothing to lose except for the debt that Dan was talking about. So you might as well try and it's a matter of not waiting for the moment that's right to strike but going and doing it and not give, not making excuses and just doing it and getting out and, and doing what you want to do and building up that way. Uh, this letter is, uh, titled Centurion, and it's from Michael, last name withheld. He says, hi, Dan, Stewart, and Elliot. Watch Centurion, 
a man gets stabbed in the ding dong. Enjoy. <laughs> Love my and uh, again. I think I recommended Centurion. <laughs> you did, yeah. There's a misconception out there that we just Flophouse love ding dong violence. That we want violence against. Ding-dong. I apparently do because it seems to be my recommendation. <laughs> and it was and it was the best part of Immortals, right? When that guy got hit in the crotch with a sledgehammer. Yeah, but uh, I think that Stuart uh, Stuart's love for Castle Freak. Has uh, put something out into the world. That and we that don't Lorena Bobbitt TV movie, right? We don't yeah, necessarily yeah. want to support. Here's uh, I want to add something that I meant to, what meant to say the, the last letter that mm-hmm. I that I forgot to. This for a isn't about ding dongs, right? This is not ding dong okay. related, but we can make it that way if you want. Sure, okay. Which is that uh, I would say if you want to be in comedy, you have to do it. You have to make it possible, but be ready for it to be very very hard to get what you want in comedy, and be ready to put up with obstacles and try to overcome them and take a long time to do it. Like to be in comedy and it's the same with being a writer or anything or an artist of any kind, you have to really need it because there's going to be so many obstacles to get past that if you don't need it, you're going to give up. And in a way those obstacles exist to weed out the people who don't need it. Uh, so just know that this is what you want to do and be ready to have to put up with a lot to eventually do it. Well, And, and also know that like uh, once you do get a job in comedy – it is still a job. Like, yeah, you got to go in and go to and work. I, don't get don't get me wrong. I love my job, but it's not going to solve every problem in your life. You know, like you, yeah, you meet after you're still kind of a sad bastard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a true. guy who sighs a lot. Working yeah. comedy writers are no are no less depressed. Well, maybe a little less depressed, but still depressed than than unemployed comedy Just better writers. Better fed. Uh, but, but it's a career. It's not a it's not a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you get that job, it's just a job, and you need another one eventually. It's a career. But uh, yeah. So I, I saved that letter for a little while, knowing that it would it would take a little longer than the normal. But I'm glad yeah, we finally got to it. He put his dreams on hold for you. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm sorry. How long was he supposed to wait, Dan? <laughs> when were you going to come back? Wait in the rain at that train depot. Um, in so, any town, USA. I would say go for Just it. Just a small town boy. <laughs> go for it, but be realistic about your chances and don't give up if you don't get it right away. Or in another way to put it, keep your feet on the ground, but keep reaching for the stars. All right. Uh, so this is the part of the podcast where we recommend movies that we actually liked in contrast to the movies that we watched for the podcast. Yeah, which we usually don't like except for Journey to the Mysterious Island. <laughs> so, uh, Elliot, is there something that you've seen lately that you would like to recommend to the Flophouse uh, listeners out there? I will recommend a movie I just watched very recently. Uh, it's on Netflix Instant right now. Maybe it will be still when this episode goes up. And it's called Bernie. Uh, it's a Richard Linkletter movie that he came out with last year, starring Jack Black and Matthew McConaughey and Shirley MacLaine, and it's a black comedy-ish story based on a true story about this very, very charismatic, popular undertaker who befriended an old lady, and I don't know how, what if I should tell you, but I'll just tell you, eventually kills her, <laughs> and the, uh, I mean, I knew it going in, but, uh, and it's a movie that is... It's one of these movies, it's kind of like um, Reds, the movie I, I recommended I think last time, in that they have interview segments with real people who actually knew these people, right. interspersed with Jack Black and Matthew McConaughey playing the characters in the movie. And Jack Black gives, like, watching it, I was like, this totally makes up for Jonathan Swift or whatever, Gulliver's Travels, whatever the movie was <laughs> that he made, it was so shitty. And, like, all his crap Jonathan, that he made. Yeah. Jonathan Swift had all those <laughs> tiny little fucking Lillipolis. Because it was based on a true story, right? Like how Edgar Rice Burroughs is in John Carter. <laughs> sure. but the, uh, so it totally makes up for his, like, cash grab movies in a way that it reminds you that Jack Black is a really good performer. Like, yeah. he sings in it, he acts in it, and he's really good in it. And it's a really, like, 
it's a good like comedy that's not always a ha ha comedy, but is very uh, gets to some deeper places while not while not being too sad. You know, but I enjoyed it a lot. I'm going to continue a theme here, and I'm going to recommend a dual. Bernie, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to recommend the same movie. I'm going to do a dual recommendation of the other two films that Matthew McConaughey uh, got a lot of attention for uh, recently. On New Year's Eve, Angels in the Outfield. On New Year's Eve, I watched Magic Mike, and on New Year's Day, I watched Killer Joy. Killer Joe. Oh, you saw Killer Joe already? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You said uh, that a little while ago. I missed it. And they're great. Uh, Killer Joe is a very sleazy movie, uh, and is kind of Magic Mike not so sleazy. (laughs) Well, it's weird. Uh, The movie with the male stripping is less sleazy than Killer Joe. Uh, there's some. Uh, and it has a Flophouse favorite in it. Uh, the guy who. Uh, well, no, let me get to that in a second. Actually, I, wa- I was actually wanting to address that. Whoop, whoop, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, so, yeah. just you know, Killer Joe, Tracy. Let's play. Uh, uh, so recorder, strike that from the record. William Friedkin, director, the same team uh, who did Bug. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, a, a film noir pushed. Uh, past normal I think that's film how they noir. advertised it was from the makers of Bug. Yeah, <laughs> from the minds that brought you Bug. But uh, Magic Expect Mike, a lot of fun. <laughs> Magic Mike was a lot of uh, was a lot of fun, and I wanted to address what I think you were getting to was that Alex Pettifer is in serious it. cum Boo. gutters on that guy. Uh, Boo, Alex Pettifer from uh, Beastly and I'm Number Four. Ugh. And I just want to make it cl- like it, no, but I I want to highlight. His work in, that he ma- does in Magic it. Mike. He's good in Magic Mike. He's good in Magic Mike. I feel like sometimes I feel bad that this whole uh, podcast is about shitting on people because, like, I, f- I don't think I thought that was our German podcast I, that we do. <laughs> I feel like I mean we all love movies and we want them to succeed. Oh yeah, and we don't want to be like part of like I think that the internet snark complex. So I want to make it clear that like. In the case of Alex Pettifer, maybe he was just in bad movies before. Like he's a, he's he's very good at Magic Mike and Channing Tatum, who you wouldn't expect to be that great. You know, was great at Magic Mike as well. They are both great as sets of abs and dancing dancing <laughs> shoes. <laughs> but they handle what the the movie needs them to I do. I guess what you, what you're saying well. is these people are in movies for a reason. And yeah. the movies we see don't necessarily provide the reason. Yeah. That, Alex Pettifer, if you just see Beastly and I am number 4 as I only have, uh comes off as there's no reason to ever put this person in a movie, right? And he comes off as unlikable, but it could be they, yeah, like you're saying, just bad movies. And there's a reason people give them a shot at being in movies. Yeah, but I would recommend uh, both of those films, both again with a great Matthew McConaughey performance too. So Magic, starring Anthony Hopkins, and Beautiful <laughs> Joe, the video game. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Stuart, that's what do you game. got? Uh, I watched Ted the other day, and I really like that the yeah. uh, the, the hmm. movie where. Uh, you know, Seth MacFarlane climbs into a tiny little teddy bear suit, <laughs> I don't and he acts opposite so uh, Marky shrink, Mark. They shrink him down like Mike TV and Willy Wonka. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I think I think that uh, that Ted kind of highlights. I mean, it's a movie about a fucking talking teddy bear. I thought Everybody it was about a conference, shit. and it. Uh, <laughs> I think. I mean, I think it kind of highlights what makes Seth Mac- Seth MacFarlane's comedy work. Um, and they managed to throw in enough asides and kind of inside jokes with uh, Flash Gordon to keep his <laughs> rabid old person fan base excited. <laughs> I'm more I'm um, more intrigued it, now that I know that Flash Gordon is involved. And it somehow. actually it, it has pretty good performances from Mark Wahlberg and Mila Kunis, who well, actually mean, seem to have some chemistry. They're together. not bad actors. No, but I mean it, it's a I mean it's a silly movie about a guy with a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. And I think it manages to, like, they have some uh, fairly good chemistry between mm-hmm. all three 
lead actress. But I've also heard like a lot of good things about Ted from people who wouldn't necessarily like Family Guy. Yeah. Which gets, you know, shit on a fair amount in comedy circles, I feel like. And I, you know, like... There's some I don't snobbery love, about I don't, it. I don't, I don't, I don't love like Family it, but... Guy, but like... You know, I also think it has some good jokes sometimes. Like I don't, I don't hate it either. So, and I mean, it does. It, not everything about it works, uh, but I mean, you get some good Giovanni Ribisi dancing out of it. So, hey, it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your definition of a movie? Yeah, <laughs> that Giovanni that Ribisi ad. dances in it. I think that was in the ads. <laughs> Hey, there's some Giovanni Ribisi dancing in it. So, so hey, it's a movie. So the only two it's movies movie, that exi- the only two movies that exist for you are Ted and the Other Sister. Wow, I'm impressed that you had a movie where Giovanni Ribisi dances queued up. In yeah, your yeah, yeah. I actually don't remember if he dances or if he just dresses up in a dog costume. But either way, either way, he's got to dance. Come on. Okay, that's four movies we recommended. We yeah. like movies. See, Wait, four yeah. movies. Oh yeah, you recommended two. Yeah, high fives, guys. Hey. Woo! Slap, slap. Why are we high-fiving for doing the same thing we do every time? Uh, we were we successful. this time. Whatever. We didn't die in the middle of the podcast. I think that's some reason to celebrate. Stuart, you usually recommend three movies. <laughs> Head of the Family, <laughs> Invisible Maniac, and Castle Freak. I mean, I do recommend all three of those movies. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> Anything that raises the average eBay price on those three movies is it, Do you own stock good for me. in those things? I do, yeah, is yeah. That possible? He gets a commission. I, I'm vice president of Full Moon Entertainment. <laughs> Alright. You should see, you should see my collection of puppets. Well, on that reference on that reference to a semi obscure exploitation production company or Vidmark. I'd like to sign off for the flop house. I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington, president of Vidmark. <laughs> and I'm Elliot Kalin, uh, who now wants to be a share owner in Vidmark. Good night, everyone. What doesn't make sense about it? Name one thing about it that doesn't make sense. Are you trying to say that the idea of the Jebediah Morningside <laughs> is this crazy interdimensional necromancer? <laughs> of course there is. With That's in the first forks. movie. Tooting forks, man. He makes little dwarf zombies. It all makes sense. And he has floating globes with blades that come out of him and stuck into people's foreheads. Yeah, his spheres that have brains inside them. <laughs> what, <laughs> what doesn't make stupid? sense? What, what doesn't make stupid? sense? You, you, guys have, that? you guys have convinced me. And at one point, Reggie Bannister combines <laughs> two shotguns into a four-barreled shotgun. <laughs> yes. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, perfect it's the sense. quad shotgun. Come on, All quad right. gun. Quad gun gin.